Welcome back, you poosers, to the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, uh, the man who puts the will in willpower, it's Brett Wright. Hey, Brett. Hello, Stephen. Welcome back, buddy. How we doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I it has been a... It's been a hot minute since we've seen yeah, you, man. Man, I have a, I have zero willpower about anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm grabbing that yellow ring the minute I see it. Uh, nah, just just embrace the fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm good at. But no, nah, man, I've been all right. You know, just been working, hanging working. out with the lady, going I... to board gaming conventions. Yeah, check out the uh, episode of What Are We Watching that we just recorded coming out Sunday. Uh, on our patreon.com slash disenfranchpod if you want to hear about Brett's Gen Con experience. Yeah, and hopefully you've listened to this first because I gave no context in the Patreon episode about what Gen Con the fuck is. Nope. So, so that'll be fun for people that don't listen to this first. It's a big board gaming convention that you know, uh, attracts 80,000 people every year to the city of Indianapolis. It's like the biggest event in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's one of them. It's up there. There's a couple other that rival it, like the 4-H fair. That's <laughs> that's an experience downtown. Let me tell you, uh, there's blue jackets everywhere. Uh, it's weird. Never been downtown for that one. Uh, I've been downtown while it's going on. Again, real fucking weird. Uh, but about the same amount of crowd. There's also a firefighter convention that's really big, too. I hear there's also a race they put on around Memorial Day every year. Uh, well, that's not downtown at all. So that no. I'm still in Indianapolis. If if I could, I don't want to like spoil the fact that I'm here because you haven't introduced me yet. Look, but, I'm um, getting there. And Tucker's here too. There you go. You've yes, been no, introduced. You, no, you still have to do the whole thing. Hold on. I just wanted to add no, um, that having it. having lived abroad for uh, most of my life past my teenage years, uh, I will tell you, nobody gives a fuck about the Indy 500. Nobody. Just people in Indianapolis. Oh, I know. I'm aware. That's it. I couldn't believe it because I always thought it was a huge thing. And I guess it is. But like in Indy, like it's a whole thing. Like you have the weekend. And even if you don't care about it, it's that weekend and you do things. You but you have I, to remember like that you're pretty much not going to be able to move on the west side of town that weekend. Unless I'm in Indy during May. I don't hear anything about it. Because. Yeah, because, um, no, and I absolutely know that. And I think I knew that when I lived in Indy, but like, yeah, who cares? It's the greatest spectacle in racing, though, you guys. That's what they say. Well, that's the crazy thing about Gen Con is like, I'm sure nobody knows what that is. Even though 80,000 people were just is. in this city to, you know, play board games and, you know, experience the wonderful world of nerdiness in general. Uh, but, you know. I bet hardly anybody knows what Gen Con is. So. I mean, I think our audience might have a better chance of knowing, but there again, there's so many conventions happening all over the country all the time that you know you're 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 bound to miss a few. Sure. Yeah. I, well, I would I would say in the same way that the Indy 500 brings people from all over the world. I mean, so does Gen Con. So I mean, it's at least yeah. that big of a deal. It's not just like. Oh, we got some people from Kentucky. You know, we got some people from Ohio. No, motherfuckers come from everywhere to go to Gen Con. And celebrities everywhere. come for that shit, too. Like, 
A lot of like them you? get paid to be there, but yeah. Matthew Matthew sure. Lillard is a name you would know. Matthew Lillard is... Uh, I know that name. Uh, Joe Manganiello, another one. Um, I know his name as well. Yeah, they oh, yeah, are my, big, my... big D&D but, people. Yeah. yeah. And then names I only know from TikTok, like Brendan Lee Mulligan. I was just, just going to say that my sister was very excited to get her picture with him again this year because she got it like several years ago. Uh, as I mentioned last week on one of the podcasts, I don't remember which one, but my sister is kind of a big deal at Gen Con. Like she, you did mention that, yeah. She's uh, she's kind of she runs some shit there, man. She's got a radio, dude. Like she's been volunteering so many years at Gen Con that I think they straight up pay her now. Like she runs like a whole section of it or some shit. Hell yeah! Wow. So Brett, you need to connect with Tucker's sister next year. When you go yeah, to Gen trying Con. to volunteer. No, it takes. I've heard about volunteering for Gen Con. It takes so many years before you even get paid. Like, and you got to you, you got to go through you got to go through some grueling shit before you even get to a level where anybody gives a damn about you. So yeah. So That's no, true. thank you. I'm too old for that shit. Maybe if I was 20 years younger. But you know, I'm fine. I'll pay for my own badge and hotel room. It's okay. Right on. Introduce me now, Stephen. Say the thing you were going to say about me. What's the funny thing about me you're going to say? I honestly, I didn't have one. Uh, the the Fuck. the the man who embodies the yellow spectrum. It's Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi. Um. How's it going? I, I made Brett's up <laughs> off the top. I made Brett's up off the top of my head because I really didn't have anything planned for this intro. Straight I'm sorry. From the dome. That's Damn. that's that's what you get. Sometimes you get the riffs. And here, here's the thing. Half the time, you never know when I've got it planned and when I don't. Always keep them guessing. That's right. Keep them That's on their the motto. toes. Uh, but yeah, we're we're back. We're here. The whole crowd's together. And what movie is so important that it gets all three of the hosts together to talk about it? It's not just one. It's not just two. It takes all three of us to talk about this movie. Brett, what are we covering this week? I mean, like, man, sometimes I'm here a lot. You know, this we don't want to give important this much importance to this movie. That's not no, I, I that's why I think it's really funny because I think it's a, a nice little like, oh, we're all here and it's so important and it's this. Uh, well, well, I mean, that. like it is we're we're tackling another movie in our banner. That's um, true. I think we've only got one more left in our yeah. banner that we haven't covered. I think it's the Golden Compass is the only Golden one we haven't covered. Yet. The only one we haven't done yet. But uh, no, the Green Lantern is what we're talking about, by the way. Whatever. 2011's Green Lantern, a movie that definitely happened. Um, directed by um, Martin Campbell, written by Greg Berlanti, and starring uh, Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Peter Sarsgaard, Mark Strong, Angela Bassett, Tim Robbins for some reason, uh, Tamura Morrison, Jeffrey Rush, second week in a row talking Jeffrey Rush, Michael Clark Duncan, Taika Waititi, and Clancy Brown. Uh, J.O. Sanders in there as well. What a cast. What what a picture. What a cast. Sure. What a picture. Uh... I mean, that's why I I wanted to sound very tired when I said what a picture this time, because oof, what a picture. Like what a picture in a bad way. Yeah. Like I look, this movie was supposed to be the movie that kicked off the DCEU. Like it was supposed to be this one. And we're going to get into it. 
but holy shit did you miscalibrate with this sucker like oh my god what were you trying to do i don't know whatever it was it was not successful i'd like to say right up front before we go any further that i fell asleep um about a little bit after the one third mark of the film I woke up from time to time for a few minutes here and there and caught a little bit of it. And I know what happens at the end, but there's a huge chunk of the film that I was sleeping during. So, uh, sorry. There you go. I technically did. Um, yeah, but you watched the whole thing. You hit pause, though. Yeah, I paused it. You know, I was getting pretty bored. Um, Easy to do with this movie. Yeah, like, (laughs) no, go ahead, Tucker. I had time to go back and like find out where I fell asleep and watch the rest of the movie, but I really just wanted to play Stray instead. So I did that. You know what? Fair. Meow. Really fair. I did not fall asleep, although I was fighting sleep the whole time because I've been I've been doing some physical labor this week and I this weekend and I'm very tired. Um, So I was fighting it the whole time, but I managed to stay awake. I managed to get through it. But holy shit, what is this thing like this? I've got so many thoughts and so many issues and so many problems. And so I'm it. uh, Look, we're going to have a conversation about 2011's Green Lantern. Yes, but Um, do you have anything positive to say about it, Steve? Anything at all? Uh, I mean, Peter Sarsgaard's having a good time. The acting is decent. I got you. The acting isn't terrible. Yeah, Peter Sarsgaard's doing doing some fun stuff. I thought for 2011 that the CGI holds up pretty well. Oh, see, I don't. And I also did not have... I have zero problems with the CGI costume. It makes sense. I get it. Like, I get it, but I don't like it. I, I don't dislike it. Why couldn't they have done both is all my question. Like have it be practical in scenes where it can be and then have Mm -hmm. it be CG everywhere else. Like it it had, it was CG the whole time. The mask is the thing I find particularly egregious uh, in this movie. Like the, the fact that the mask is literally just painted on every frame of his face until you don't need it anymore. Like it, especially if you've seen him naked, like how's that going to, Right, you know what? what I mean, we're not going to know it's Ryan Reynolds because he's hiding his cheekbones. Like, well, yeah, look, look, that's man, the best line in the movie, by the way. It, it's <laughs> is ad-libbed. It's DC. completely ad-libbed. It's DC. Yeah. Like, of course they're going to do that. Fucking motherfuckers can't recognize Clark Kent as Superman because a pair of fucking sun like glasses. Like, come on, <laughs> it's DC. I'm not. That's not a gripe I'm going to have. Mystery ever. man. Yeah. Like, this, yeah, that's a silly gripe to have. He with puts them on when he, he takes them off when he transforms. He puts the mask on, but he transforms. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Lance Hunt wears glasses. Captain Amazing doesn't. How would he see? I'm still quoting last week's movie. That's how much I love Mystery Men, everybody, and how much I don't care about this movie. So a cu- let's talk Green Lan- What is your guys's? Is this the first time all of us have seen this? Because this is the first time I've seen this. I've never yeah. seen it before. Never yeah. Seen it. I'd seen no pieces desire. of it, but I'd never watched the whole thing. Um, my, I think it was on my on TV once, and my dad was watching it, and I left before it was over. Um, so, because I could not give two shits about this movie. Um, so, yeah, any familiarity uh, with the character of Green Lantern? Nah, I'm a Marvel boy. We all know this. So I, 
the only DC comic I ever read growing up was Batman. Fair. I've always I've always known who Green Lantern was, and I've read some read some Green Lantern comics when I was a kid, and I'm familiar with the history of the character. Um, I my most the most familiar version of the character. The version of the character, let me start that over, rewind. The version of the character that I'm most familiar with is the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited version. Uh, mm-hmm. Those brilliant and wonderful television shows that were out for a few years that I will still rewatch from time to time because they're so fucking good. That is John Stewart, Green Lantern, who was uh, yes. one of the uh, Green Lantern replacements in the 70s. Uh, who is also my favorite Green Lantern. He's a good one. Uh, probably probably because I have the most experience, firsthand experience with him. Like I've seen I've probably seen Hal Jordan in more comic books that I've read. Yeah. Or like in more media or merchandise. But since I was watching Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and since I dig it so much and still watch it. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. my favorite. And then John Stewart, fantastic host of the Daily Show. That <laughs> too, yeah. He is. He really is. God, what what a horrible joke. I'm glad you made it. Um, <laughs> you're it. welcome. You're welcome. So the character Green Lantern actually originally, originally, originally gets his start in the golden age of comics. A character named Alan Scott. He's a magic character who has a, uh, a power ring that looks like a lantern. Uh, in 1940 is the first appearance of Alan Scott's Green Lantern. And, and get then this guys, his costume is not even green. It's, it's not. not it's like it's it's red it's with red. a purple cape. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like green accessories, but that's about it. The lantern ring is green, but that's and the it. fire that comes out of it also green. Yeah, um, but real, real big miss on that costume. It's a great costume. It's just your character's called Green Lantern. I mean, they'll use red later. Red is a lantern color later. Well, yeah, but and that that's why it makes even less sense. But even though those two characters, it's not the same kind of Green Lantern, which Stephen will get into. Cool, I'm sure. I'm, yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, the original Alan Scott is a magic based character. He's got this uh, ring, and it, the ring is shaped like a lantern, and it spits green flame. he's a magic character i think i said that like four times now great love it i'm repeating myself great podcasting high five um why they pay you the big bucks steven that's why they pay me the big bucks in the late 50s um well in the 50s dc starts to revive and re in reimagine some of their classic golden age characters and the flash is one of the first ones uh, the Jay Garrick Flash uh, it eventually becomes Barry Allen Flash, and they do that again with the Green Lantern. Uh, the the um, editor, I think, at the time was Julia Schwartz, Julie Schwartz, and one thing that he really liked to do was take these Golden Age heroes, take the name and the basic power set, and reimagine it as a sci-fi thing. So he's the one that basically kind of spearheads the re the recreation of green lantern as hal jordan uh that's where you get the green lantern core uh that's john broom and gil kane are the ones that uh, under under schwartz's direction basically recreate the character to be what we know it as and what it is in this movie um in the comics hal jordan is like your typical square jawed american here he's a boy scout 
basically. Um, which is very different from the characterization we see in this movie in terms of characterization. Um, this green, this how Jordan is, has more in common with Kyle Rayner from the comics, AKA the green lantern of the nineties, which is, I would say my green lantern, not my favorite green lantern, but my green lantern, like the green lantern I grew up with as a kid. The difference between him and how Jordan is their hair is a different color. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the 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 the, the white sideburns. Um, and I gotta say that '90s costume is pretty fucking slick. Like, I, I like, like it what a they lot. Did with it. Do you remember the one with the the collar and the there there was the redheaded Green Lantern guy? I, my, like bowl cut? my favorite Green Lantern guy, Gardner. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because he had he's the a piece of like shit. Jacket. Mm. Mm-hmm. He looked like a bully, man. He did. He that is like the bully from a Christmas story. That character Lantern. is going to be played by Nathan Fillion in the upcoming Superman oh, fuck movie. Yeah, dude. It's well, which is a perfect casting. The, it wouldn't be the first time Nathan Fillion was a Green Lantern either. He was in the animated movie that came out around the same time as this film. As exactly. Green and Lantern. fans fans really wanted Nathan Fillion to play Green Lantern. The, and this is, I think, one of the things with this movie. Uh, we're going to see like expectations for everybody across the board are completely different. And this becomes a complete studio clusterfuck breakdown. Like a lot of these movies tend to become, this is an, and and it's a thing that we come back to over and over on this podcast. It's just kind of one of those recurring things. Why don't these catch fire and, and become franchises? Oftentimes it's because the studio doesn't know what it fucking wants to do. Um, which you can totally see in this movie because it is—it's it, it, obvious, it, yeah. It looks like there's half of a really good Green Lantern movie and half of a really bad Green Lantern movie, and they just mashed them together. To, to, Many times as they rewrote this script, I'm not surprised. Exactly. So the script is credited to Greg Berlanti, who is the guy basically known as the architect of the Arrowverse on the CW. Um, he's the creator, executive producer on. Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, all of those shows. He's basically the guy. He's um, the Feige of the Arrowverse. He's the Feige of the Arrowverse. And he's the one that wrote this. And obviously this happens before the Arrowverse. But I get the impression that he might have been one of – had this been successful, he might have been one of the architects of – what would become the DCEU, except this failed so spectacularly, and we'll get into all of that, that there was no way it was the. And the, there's a reason why Zack Snyder didn't have a Green Lantern on his Justice League, and I'm pretty sure it's this movie. So do with that what you will. There was, however, in in one uh, version of the most recent Flash film, there was a version uh, that the there was a Green Lantern. I'm oh, was sure there? How much? Yeah, I'm not sure how much of it was in that film. Um, there's, I I can't wait until like ten years from now when everybody's over themselves at at old DC. In Warner Brothers, and we get like a Blu-ray that has everything they shot for the Flash, and they they're gonna have to do like a. Do you remember when Anchorman came out? There was so much deleted footage that they, they just made, made another movie, movie with it. 
right. wake up Ron Burgundy. That's yeah. what I want. I want every version of that movie, like every possible version with all that shit in it. Not because I think it's going to be good, <laughs> but just because I'm so curious to like, because they've been making this, the flash since like 2016, man, like actively making that motherfucker. It's ridiculous. And there's so much stuff that they've shot. There's probably more stuff that they've shot than is in the final film. I believe that. It's just stuff that it like plot lines that that never happened, like things that never went anywhere, things that they started doing this whole different character arcs for Ben Affleck's Batman, entirely different ending. There's just so much. And I just I it's a huge clusterfuck that I'm very interested in. I mean, it's definitely that it is definitely a clusterfuck. I just want to see all the things, everything that exists that they filmed for that. I want to see it in context. Let's go. I want to see more CGI Nick Cage footage. Yes, please. I love Kevin Smith telling the story about watching that and then like trying to get his family excited about the fact that that was quote unquote his Superman. And they're all like, yeah, we know. Like, well, no, none been, of them are excited about it. He's been referenced in both major comic book cinematic universes. He has, because yeah. Stan Lee was reading the Mallrat script in right. Mar- or in uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then his Superman shows up. And, I mean, he was also in the Fox universe, too. He was uh, the coroner in Daredevil. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. That's, right. That's true. Forgot about that game, yeah. Yeah, a lot of maybe people only, did. Maybe the only good part of that movie? Uh, well, look, we can revisit it when uh, Daredevil Reborn comes out and we uh, we cover I'd, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. I'd like to, with one caveat, if you guys would watch the director's cut with me. Because when that movie came out, I saw director's the director's cut, I remember liking. I hated it. But then when I borrowed the DVD of the director's cut from a friend, I was like, this is actually not bad it's not great but this is no. pretty okay like it's definitely works. a better movie the director's cut is is absolutely a better movie and should have been the movie released in theaters but it was not because studio interference yay yeah somehow kevin feige managed to fight off studio interference monsters and they made it work finally i, I mean Marvel was the studio. That was the thing is they started their own studio and Feige was the guy at the top. Um, Okay. So it's very much a Thanos fine. I'll do it myself situation. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that's, and look, the game in principle has been on the table. Um, It's a thing I talk about every time we cover a comic book movie. And sometimes when we don't, where Neil Gaiman says, I think the closer a, uh, an adaptation is to the source material, the better it will be to the spirit of the source material, the better it will be. And we talked about that extensively last week when we talked about mystery men, uh, Tucker and I, um, and I think it applies here as well. This movie. So this comes out in 2011. So it is a year before Avengers. We are uh, a year before or I know uh, a year before the dark Knight rises. So we've already had Batman begins and the dark Knight, both Um, just to kind of give you an idea of where comic book movies are. And DC has not had a non Nolan produced Batman or a DC movie since Catwoman, 
see our previous episode on Catwoman. And this is the one they come out of the gate with. And their strategy is Marvel's strategy, which is to say, take a third tier character that not everybody knows all that well. Like my exposure to Green Lantern, the character was through the DC superpower toy line. He was never my favorite character. He was never one that I read a lot growing up. I am very sparse on Green Lantern lore. Like his character, that comic was not one that I picked up often. I know broad strokes, but I don't know specifics. Like I can't go deep on Green Lantern like I can on other characters because I don't have that exposure. Uh, I've read a lot of the Alan Moore Green Lantern comics, which are really fun, um, especially because there's a, a, a Green Lantern planet called Mogo. And I think that is the coolest idea ever. Uh, there's another Green Lantern that uh, is uh, exists so far deep in uh, in undiscovered space that uh, the light spectrum is not available to them. So they're all blind. And so he rings a bell. Like albino salamander lanterns. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So his his symbol is a bell instead of a lantern because sound is how they are able to experience the world. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and that's all Alan Moore, and I love that. But so, so I'm not d- as deep on the Green Lantern character as I as I am with some others. Um, but th- we're going to take a third tier character, not everyone has a familiarity with, and we're going to use that character then to jumpstart our cinematic universe. And they adhere, I think, a little too closely to the Marvel playbook without understanding why the Marvel playbook was arranged the way it was. The obvious characters, if you're going to make a Marvel movie in the mid to late 2000s, the biggest Marvel properties are Spider-Man, the X-Men, and the Fantastic Four. That's, at the time... That those were your gold standard. Those were your hot properties. Unfortunately, those were tied up with Sony and Fox respectively. However, the rights for a lot of other characters that Marvel had sold off in the early 2000s when they were trying to get out of bankruptcy started to lapse. A lot of those started to lapse and go back then to Marvel. And so the characters that they had at their disposal, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Ant-Man, and then they worked out a deal with Universal to do The Incredible Hulk, that became their plan. Avengers was not the ideal. Avengers was the best they could do with what they had access to. And it worked really, really well, honestly, because Robert Downey Jr., which is a perfect Iron Man casting. If you know anything about the character, anything about the actor, that's a perfect pair. Um, so Robert Downey Jr. And, and it's he becomes one of the biggest stars in the world because of the popularity of that character. Um, so DC then tries to replicate that success. Well, they use a third tier character and he caught on big. We'll do that too. This character though that we're picking kind of kind of square, kind of a boy scout, kind of doesn't have that kind of quippy, fast-paced dialogue thing that that Robert Downey Jr was doing with Iron Man that made that character so compelling, but we want to do that too. So we re 
we rejigger the personality a little bit to fit a more modern Green Lantern, and we cast someone who's kind of a quirky, quippy kind of actor. Um, you know, that hot up and coming actor that everyone was, you know, beating down the door to 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 get him in their movie, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, and he was still kind of baby Ryan Reynolds too. He still kind of had just a little bit of chub on his cheeks. There's there's a definite like part in his career where he where he goes from baby Ryan Reynolds, like Van Wilder Ryan Reynolds to modern uh skinny face. I work out seven times a day. Well, I mean there's Ryan Reynolds. The scene with him on the um the scene with with him after he gets taken up to Oa and he's like <laughs> he's like laying hold on. Puppy, no. Calm down, doggy. Calm right down. Nice doggy. Cute People have, are having the audacity to talk in the hallway, and he doesn't like it. Um, I, I got a milk bug. The um, <laughs> sweet little pooch. <laughs> oh, what was I talking about? I don't even remember. Uh, the knows, scene where man? he Marvel. does something. The scene where he does something. I don't know what scene you were talking about. Um, uh, the, the scene he's where he first gets to Owen, he's laying there with basically nothing on except for these, like, barely leave anything to the imagination shorts. Like, he's pretty cut in this movie. He's just got a, a slightly fuller face than what we tend to know of him now, how we tend to perceive him now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Ryan Reynolds' zone at this point He's the goofy, funny guy in movies, Um, probably best known for stuff like Waiting, Just Friends and Van Wilder. Most recently, the most the most recent big movies that he's been in are in 2009. He's in X-Men Origins Wolverine and The Proposal. Um, That's kind of his one two punch in 2009. Um. Yo, and if I may say, early Ryan Reynolds is the shit. I mean, in its day, stuff like Waiting and Van Wilder and, like, maybe not so much the movie Blade Trinity, but his performance in it, for me, that's very peak Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I don't think that he 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 got to a point... Sometime after the voices, which I think is one of his best performances. Um, sometime after that, he he just kind of turned his whole thing up to 11. And to me, it got, I mean, I'm sure he's still a great guy, but to me, it got kind of annoying, except for in I Deadpool, agree. because that's fucking Deadpool. Like, yeah, that's why Deadpool whether, works. Yeah. Well, he, like he became it, Deadpool. Whether I like it or not, he is Deadpool. He became Deadpool. Like his entire personality now is Deadpool. And every movie he makes, he's basically playing Deadpool. And that's kind of why I'm sort of like, I mean, I I get it. Sure. It's fine. Like, just like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, you've cultivated a, 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 a character for yourself that you play both in real life and in every movie you're in fine. But just, you have to be everywhere, sir. Well, the difference there is one of them is, I think, is a little bit way more charming than the other. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, not the most charming dude. I kind of he has a lot of go away energy. Right? I don't think Ryan Reynolds has that. Not in my opinion. I look. I would like to hang out with Ryan Reynolds. I just don't want to have to watch his movies. 
And there, that's my point. Like, Ryan Reynolds seems like a chill, cool dude you'd want to hang out with. Dwayne the Rock oh, you Johnson guys didn't like Free Guy? Like, fuck off. Oh, I like Free Guy. I like Free Guy. I didn't, I didn't, see. I was, I didn't right. see Free Guy. Free Guy feels like the kind of movie that is to a different kind of nerd than me. Oh, for it's sure. Not, yeah, for sure. that's true. And it's not it's not a great movie. It's not something that I really have any desire to ever watch again. But I had a blast with it when I watched it. Sure. Yeah, it was a really good. fun two hours of my life. But there are definitely a lot of video game jokes that you're not going to get. So... But he does reteam with with your boy uh, Taika Waititi. I, in this movie together, and they're was in shocked guys to see together. was shocked to see him in this movie. I'm gonna be honest with you. He he's giving he's giving Richard Ayoade in this movie, like it is <laughs> Taika doing his best Richard Ayoade impression. I think if this movie had been made like two years later, that would be Richard Ayoade. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, he looks just like Richard in um in the Come on, man. You got it. What is it? No, it's Come gone, on, dude. It's gone. Damn Sorry. It. Damn it. Now we'll never it, know. The world it's gone. will never know. It's fine. It's fine. Um but speaking of Taika, this is a, a movie where Taika a superhero movie where Taika Waititi is cast as the comic relief and Clancy Brown plays a uh a CGI villain. Just like a little movie called Thor Ragnarok. That's true. Cool. That's a thing that I noticed when I was watching this movie. Cool. Yeah. yeah that is very cool. I'm way into that. Super I don't know. Cool. I think. Hey, uh, you guys, we're about 35 minutes in. Do you think we should do the plot in 60? Do we have to? Well, see, here's the thing. I really hope it doesn't land on me because if it does, I'm going to be like, how Jordan's a test pilot that turns into the Green Lantern and then he goes to the Green Lantern planet. Then I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up when when Homeboy killed Tim Robbins and then I fell back asleep. And then well, I, mean... I, I saw the end where Sinestro is a yellow lantern. Uh, and here's the thing. Like, Unmotivated and for no reason whatsoever other than to set name, up the fact that he does that in the comics? His name is Why? Sinestro. I was yeah. thinking that the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. At least like have him change his name at the end because you can't be a Green Lantern and your name is literally Sinister. Uh, I know a guy actually Sinestro. named Sinestro Hi, who, Green Lantern. who is a Green Lantern who would beg to differ. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll fucking bet, Steven. Look, the anyway, Silver Age comics were not known for subtlety. There's a, a character, a, a villain called Rainbow Raider, whose uh, who's who's, uh, secret identity is Roy G. Bivolo. So, you know. Silver Age was not an era of comics known for subtlety. That's all I'm saying. Oh, amazing. It is. It really is. Anyway, I'm a roll of Steven, Yeah, how it works. I'll tell him how it works. Um, it look, I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> this is the plot in sixty seconds. This is a part of the show where we sum up the 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 entire show in sixty seconds or less. Um, at the behest of the D six of Destiny, which Brett will roll. Uh, he will assign uh, two sides to each of us, and whichever side it comes up on will determine which of us will recount the plot of the film we're discussing this week in 60 seconds or less. Brett, take us to the D6. Uh, oh, I got to assign numbers. You got to assign. You got to assign. Uh, Tucker, one and two, because you fell asleep. Uh, uh, and then, from I don't know, three and four for me, five and six for you, Steven? 
fine. I guarantee you, I didn't like this movie more than you did, but well, I, I, yeah, me neither. I just, you know, I had to choose numbers. So I just picked them. I understand. It's all even odds either way. That is a two. No, hey man. I'm, I'm sorry, Tucker. I'm so dude. <laughs> hey man. He says right hey, there. That's a two, right, brother. Okay. I'm sorry. Look, I pulled. Look, I pulled up the Wikipedia plot description here. That's going to come so in handy. I'll do a cliff notes of that. Maybe I'll say some names. You know, that sounds great, man. No, look, oh, that cool. that's what we do half the time. Let's be honest. Like it's like old school plot sixty. Right? It is. Yeah, that's how we. That's how we did it back in the Dizzle. Yeah, or you do it completely off the dome. Do it speed racer style. You fell asleep. Do the shit right off the dome. See what yeah. happens. <laughs> no way, dude. All right, I've got sixty Sorry. seconds on the clock. I'll let you know the thirty and the ten seconds as they come. I will begin when you do, sir. Okay, so there's this pink dude, and he gets shot by some other dude. And he's in a spaceship, which I don't get because he can fly, but whatever. Like, he can literally fly through space. Why is he in a spaceship? But anyway, he's in a spaceship, and he crashes on Earth, and Ryan Reynolds is a pilot, and he works for some dumb company that does dumb shit, and he likes some girl, I guess, and but she's not only is she a good pilot, but she's, like, a good business lady or something? I don't know. And then, 30 like, seconds. Ryan Reynolds gets whipped up by the ring and taken to the the spacecraft and he puts his the ring on and he says the thing and and uh he goes to the planet and he meets Sinestro and all the other guys and then I fell asleep uh, Ten at seconds. some point at some point Tim Robbins dies uh, uh the Skarsgård boy get his face gets all messed up and he has a big brain uh, and that is and, time. And it turns out Sinestro's bad. Who'd have thunk? A thing that is not at any Sinestro. point revealed or teased in the movie proper. It is only no. revealed. No, it's just like for a second. He's like, you know what? Fuck in it. In a post credit sequence. <laughs> like no motivation at no all. No No motivation. Nothing. He's nothing scored. in this movie prepares you for Sinestro becoming evil. Except for the except for up except to the point when name. he does. Except his fucking name. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's from a different race of aliens where sinister doesn't mean bad. Okay, yeah, yeah I'll bet it doesn't. Yeah. I don't I know. Totally I'm guessing here. That, I have no nothing. I about look, I don't before. I also don't either. So yeah, we're we're kind of all the most the I know about Green Lantern lore is that there's a bunch of different colors based on a bunch of different emotions and Right. So that so all right. So the history Dark, of Darkest Night was a really cool storyline that I was kind of interested in. Go ahead. The the history of the Green Lanterns uh, from Silver. There's a Green Lantern Corps, uh, three thirty six hundred sectors or whatever. Greg, Jeffrey Rush tells us in this movie, um, and it you have to be worthy. the The green is willpower. Green is the color of the will. Whatever. Uh, some bullshit they made up for this movie and other comics. Um, but the the Green Lantern rings are weak to yellow, yellow light, yellow anything. Um, so, yes, there have been Green Lantern villains who have been able to get the upper hand just because they have a yellow costume. That's been a thing. Um, so. Eventually, yellow is fear. Yellow is in the, yes, in, in the spectrum that Jeff Johns creates later, it is fear. 
And that's what it is in this movie. Like they're going very much off of the, those things that John's established. Um, the example, scarecrow is a fear lantern. When <laughs> they, the when they start lantern. handing out rings to everybody in, in DC. Yes, that is true. Yes. yes. Um, the, um, so after the death of, uh, the death and resurrection of Superman, uh, the cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw, wipes out the entirety of Coast City, which is Hal Jordan City. And he goes a little crazy and starts amassing power, becomes afflicted by this uh, being called Parallax, becomes the villain Parallax, um, and destroys the entire Green Lantern Corps, like kills everybody, wipes out the entire core, wipes out all the Guardians. The one remaining Guardian goes to Earth and gives the, the Green Lantern power ring to an artist named Kyle Rayner. Um, The Green Lanterns, as they have exist, have all had different gifts and and, um, preoccupations. Like Hal Jordan, a lot of like giant hands, uh, very simple machines. The second Green Lantern, John Stewart, was an engineer. So a lot of complex machinery. Um, Kyle Rayner is an artist. So his very creative design. Um, like giant mecha robots and things like that, like just really goofy imaginative shit. Um, and his imagination was his power, but he is for a long period of time, the one and only green lantern. And then Jeff Johns decides, Hey, you know, what was cool comics when I was a kid, when there were green lantern cores. So he brings back Hal Jordan brings back the green lantern core, like brings back everything that he loved as a kid. Um, kind of folds Kyle Rayner back into a lot of that, uh, gives him like a different power set, some other things. Um, and then he brings in the entire light spectrum. And so there are various lanterns for every color in the visible light spectrum. So there are red lanterns, yellow lanterns, uh, orange lanterns, uh, green lanterns, blue lanterns, indigo lanterns, and, uh, purple black. lanterns and also black lanterns right? well then there's black and white lanterns that come along later but mm-hmm. yes it's it's a whole thing it's very complicated no i don't understand all of it um at one point though i did own all of the plastic green lantern rings from my local comic book store i think the black lanterns were a response to marvel zombies because i believe most of the black lanterns were dead characters yes they were characters that had died earlier and it was an excuse to both bring back those characters and do a zombie thing. dc has multiple times tried to capitalize on the success of marvel zombies and i don't think they've ever been successful that's right there was a, a deceased event at one point uh where it's basically like it, it's Marvel zombies, but with DC characters pretty much. So I, I yeah. mean, I, I guess that could be cool. Maybe question. Even, cool, even Marvel has run the zombies into the ground. It's, I, yeah. But after, yeah. after the second after series, the I was kind of like, line. I'm done with this. Yeah. But when, when the focus shifted from the, the core zombie group to like some other shit going on that I didn't even care about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after like your, your perfect read through is Marvel zombies, uh, army of darkness versus Marvel zombies, Marvel zombies two, And, uh, that one, the one 
one shot prequel that was done by uh uh what's his nuts you know what i'm talking about it was like a prequel and it's it's how you knew that like sentry was a big part of it and oh i don't know one shot you know what i'm talking about it was fuck it came out i think between the first and two the first and second volumes i think Hmm. dead days yes i had the hardbacks of all four of those well that's still kirkman i mean kirkman did all of the marvel zombie stuff Oh, I thought that I had somebody different writing it. No, it's all Kirkman. Robert Kirkman and Sean Phillips are like the the guys behind Marvel Zombies. But yeah, I'd say those four. Um, that's now, it. Whatever but one like, that had that was like focused mainly on Spider Man. Um, yeah, that was the first two. Well, the one Spider Man, Iron Man. Well, no, where the all, no, I mean like where it like showed um, that like instead of webs, he uses his veins to swing and like there's the they they redid the panel of him the spider-man no more panel where it's like he just took his skin off and threw it in the trash <laughs> and just walking away like that's Yo, funny zombie spider-man is a very complicated and interesting character he might yeah, be the best man. of the marvel zombies actually yeah really a lot of stuff going on there man it's really it's, fun yeah, for sure. When when Peter Parker's guilt complex, uh, because he of course ate Aunt May and Mary Jane. So, yeah, what are you gonna do? It hurts. It hurts to not eat, you guys. Right. Which was the what most unique do? thing? I thought that was a really unique mm-hmm. take on that like, was a, a zombie virus. Is like right. you're still all there. You're mm-hmm. you, but you just have this insatiable hunger you can't control. You are right. literally driven insane by hunger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. To the extent yeah. that you will eat the Silver Surfer and then go off across the galaxy with the power cosmic to eat as much as you can. No, they, they ate Galactus. Ate Galactus homie. Yeah, they ate Silver oh, Surfer. Oh, that's right. Then they ate Galactus. Then, then Galactus. They, became, that's right. they became the new Galactus. Right. Yeah. As a group. They all had their little purple costumes and stuff. It was really yeah. cool. Ridiculous. Mm. But I love yeah. it. Well, and that's what makes that series so fun. It is, it is completely batshit off the wall crazy. Dude. Um... But yeah, so so DC um, had, had recently brought back the Lanterns. So maybe that's why they're trying to spotlight some of the new stuff they're doing with that book. Like this movie ends with a you've seen the movie now read the book kind of thing uh, at the end. Like, hey, you should read comics and go to your comic book store and buy Green Lantern comics. That was the most eye rolling, cringy fucking thing. Like because it didn't even have a picture of like an actual green lantern comic it was a picture of the movie adaptation well and then but they had like three smaller ones right next to it but yeah they were very small and you had to like really look to find them but yeah no agreed so real dumb marvel never did that no um but people also tend to not buy marvel comics um i think sometimes they do but by and large it's not really I don't really think a whole lot of people buy comics. Well, from the main two, I don't think a whole lot of people buy comics anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I I, look from what I heard, Jonathan Hickman just did some incredible things on uh, X-Men, like completely re revitalized the X franchise. So like, I don't know. I I think there are still people and I think there are creators that people follow. Like there, you get the people that'll buy, you know, whatever Brian Michael Bendis is writing this month or J. Michael Straczynski or 
I, those are guys that were writing when I was into comics. I don't even know if they're still writing anymore, but I know Hickman's got a big following. He's like the guy, him and Tom King are like the guys in comics right now in terms of people writing really incredible, compelling stories for the big two. Yeah. Well, like, so from what I, what I hear is that like, not only, and this is one of the reasons I don't read comics is because there's so much history and people don't know where to start, mm-hmm. which has only gotten worse over the years. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons. And the other reason, unfortunately, uh, is MCU related where it's yeah. just like, these aren't the characters from my Marvel movies. Uh, I don't, why should I read them? And that's right. unfortunate. That's a really but, sad reason, but. And that, that part of that is because Marvel, the, the Marvel movies have, done so much to make the characters different. Like Mojo in Quantumania made a look like Mojo in the comics, but he's not Mojo from the comics. Like those are two very different characters with very different origins and very different reasons for existing. Who? So, Mojo was in Quantumania? Modoc. Sorry, I said Mojo. Oh, Modoc. Okay. Like, wait, Modoc. I would have seen Mojo. Hold on. <laughs> sorry. Modoc. I look, I am very tired. I am sorry. Um, and handsome. Uh, stop my brain no worky so good right now yeah but you pretty so it helps i mean yeah that works really well for me on an auditory medium um look they gotta take our word for it it's fine it's fine yeah no pictures of me exist on the internet um and look i i think the villains are the best part of this movie well one of the villains is, and and one of the heroes that will become a villain in the next movie, apparently, according to a post credit scene, um, and the comics, are the best. But, I mean, if you if you that was the that was the dumb thing. That's what I hated. That if you read the comics and you knew who Sinestro was the entire time, you're going, "When's this motherfucker going to turn?" When's you're that, expecting when, when, it. When am I going to see this motherfucker do some like? You know, shifty eye shit sometimes. I will again mention his name is Sinestro. So I don't think you need to really know his origin to know that he's going to be a bad guy. But, uh, well, sure, I guess. But like Uh, this, this Sinestro (laughs) might be up to no good. I don't know, man. His parents didn't name that for nothing. Like by the end of the movie, you're like, well, maybe they're going to do something different because this Sinestro guy seems like like a solid Green Lantern good guy. What like maybe they're going to do something different. Or, then, or maybe they're going to make it an arc across, like, and maybe he turns sometime halfway through the next movie. So the third movie is all about the Sinestro battle. But no, we get a completely unmotivated turn in a post-credits sequence or a mid-credits sequence. It's, it's not even a post credit scene. I mean, come on. Marvel's been around for enough time. Put it at the end for the love of mm-hmm. God. Now, we had to put a comic book ad at the end of the, the credits. My bad. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Priorities, Brett. We got to move right. merchandise. We got to move books. But yeah, like I, uh, God, where to begin with this movie? I know we've kind of already been at it for almost an hour, but like where to start with this fucking thing? Oh, I was wrapping it up. What are you talking about? Start. Oh God. (laughs) I mean, look, there's, there, there is nowhere to start. You just sort of have to jump around and just like, cause it's, it's, it starts out promising. Like maybe like a half hour into this movie, I was like, What's the big deal? I don't think this is that bad. The CG kind of sucks. Why'd they do a CG suit? But I don't think it's that bad. And then as the movie progressed, uh-huh. I slowly got angrier and angrier. So we get so here here are some issues. Um behind the scenes, Martin Campbell, when he is brought on to Berlanti was originally supposed to write and direct. 
he can't direct. He has to pull pull out of directing. So they bring in Martin Campbell. To this point, Martin Campbell is the guy best known for directing GoldenEye and Casino Royale. He also directed uh, he's also directed the the two Zorro movies, the Antonio Banderas Zorro movies. And the first movie that I saw in a theater that made me go, wait, movies can be bad. Uh, a little movie called Vertical Limit, which I think I have talked about on this podcast before. Um, but that is that is the guy that they bring in to direct this movie. And Martin Campbell has an idea in his head for what he wants Green Lantern to be, who he wants Green Lantern to be specifically, that hot up and coming young actor that everyone has their eye on. That's right. You guessed it. Bradley Cooper. He wants Bradley Cooper, and that's the only person he wants to play Green Lantern. Like, that's it. That is his list, is Bradley Cooper, and then Bradley Cooper listed 20 more times. That's the only person he wants. And then Warner Brothers goes and hires Ryan Ryan Reynolds behind his back. Oof. I'm going to say this right now. I think Ryan Reynolds is fundamentally miscast in this role. I think people who are fan casting DC movies in around this time, if they wanted to see Ryan Reynolds in a superhero role in a DC movie, they did not want to see him as Green Lantern. They wanted to see him as the Flash. The Flash is a little quippier. He's a little funnier. He's got that kind of Ryan Reynolds has that kind of that kind of like quick wit patter thing going on uh, with a lot of the characters he played. That seemed a much more organic fit than Green Lantern. Um, but based on the fact that Campbell made it no secret, he did not want Reynolds in the role and that Reynolds was only there because the studio wanted him, not because he wanted him. The two of them were butting heads on set constantly, uh, Reynolds praying that this movie would do bad so that he would never have to play this character again. Um, thankfully he got his wish. This This movie did very poorly. Uh, did not do what they expected it to do. And as a result, um, he will never have to play this character again. In okay. fact, I don't think he would even do it for something like the flash and like a, just a sequence where he's like, yeah, I don't think he would allow it. I don't think he would do it. Well, considering that he has Deadpool kill himself while he's reading the green lantern script and that, right. Too, like, yeah. And the, the first Deadpool pokes fun at don't make the costume green or animated. Like, yeah. yeah, like and and he's he even at the time, he did not have anything positive to say about this movie. It's only in recent years. He's like, you know what? I rewatched it. There is some stuff I enjoy. It is where he met his wife, Blake Lively. They meet on the set of this movie uh, and are uh, end up getting married as a result of having met on this film. So some good came out of this for him. Something. Yeah, not nothing. Not nothing, you know, but uh I had a point and I lost it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like that's probably my fault somehow. No, no, it was there and it left. (laughs) I don't, I don't know what happened. Been there, man. I had a Richard Iowati point earlier that I just completely lost. Yeah, dude, it just vanished. Yeah. Thin air. It's like, it's like the person that designed Taika's character saw the IT crowd and rather than casting the guy from the IT crowd, just tried to make Taika look as much like the guy from the IT crowd as they could. Yeah, that guy's just really annoying anyway. So I'm glad that he's not in 
I like Richard Iowata. I loved him in the Time Trumpet. Um, the only thing I've liked him in is Armando uh, Iannucci's Time Trumpet. That's a fun show. The times that he was on the Mighty Boosh, because thankfully there was very little of him. Uh, I find him to be uh, very annoying and certainly pretty irritating. I don't know that I could watch anything over about five minutes. He was one of the talking heads on Time Trumpet, and I always thought he was one of the more funny. He's a really cool dude. I'm sure he's a rad dude. I just like the his style of comedy and the way he does it. I just really it just repels me. But yeah, but no, Taika's in this movie. One of uh, two or three collaborations with Ryan Reynolds at this point. Like they just keep finding ways to do stuff together. Um, So you get the impression they probably got along pretty well and had a hard time finding a project to work on together until fairly recently. So. But I don't think did they Tucker, do you remember, did their characters even interact with one another in um, the movie that we were just talking about that I can't remember the name of free guy, free guy. Yeah. Did their characters ever interact in free guy? I don't think they did. I'm trying to think. I, the only time that I would think that they would interact would be at the ending, but they definitely didn't because of how that plays out. They're in two completely different places. Dude. So they were yeah, I don't think they had together. any, I don't think they had any screen time. I mean, they definitely promoted the movie together, like Deadpool and Korg oh, yeah. do a, do a fucking promo for it. So yeah. Right. right. But like, I, you get the impression that their friend, like Reynolds was an EP on that movie. So he, could easily say, "Hey, we should get Taika for this." Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but, but you have to understand if two people are don't talk to one another in a movie in roles, they right. don't talk to one another at all. I don't know if it, you knew that about life. Hollywood, but like right. in real life, they're not friends. That's a hundred percent how that works. Be. If they don't interact on screen, they don't interact in real life. That's just a rule of Hollywood. That's and that's if how it works. These friends, despite that. They are immediately jailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Straight to jail. <laughs> there is a uh, look. I mean, this movie has so many problems. Like they give you the Jeffrey Rush narrator voice at the beginning and then repeat all of it later. Once our audience surrogate character becomes a hero, like that's a huge problem. You've got completely redundant origins. Um like Mammal fact- was down for more Jeffrey Rush, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, agree. yeah. Um, you you get the God. This movie, this movie's so bad. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm flummoxed. Like you get Tim Robbins in a role that really he's doing somebody a favor. Tim Robbins is doing someone a favor in this movie. That's why he's here. That's why he showed up on the day. Right. Like, and you get the feeling that maybe they had like three days with Tim Robbins. He's like, look, you better make it count guys. And so they just filmed as much as they could with him while they could. Cause he, he feels very much not a part of this movie at all. Um, you get Angela Bassett as completely wasted as Amanda Waller in this movie. Just completely, completely wasted. Yeah. Like this the movie only- has no idea what it wants to do with that character or that, that performer. Yeah, other than just doing the Marvel Shame. thing of like, hey, here's this character's name you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe this is setting up something in the future. Uh, Wink. Yeah. But but I don't know what they were trying to do with her here. Like, 
Right. Well, her, she's her job in the comic, like you know, head of the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. You know, the Nick Fury of the Suicide Squad. Um, Pretty much. Like, doesn't seem to vibe with her job in this movie. Well, so eventually, and this is the thing about Amanda Waller, she is a government agent. She works for a government agency. Eventually, she gets political power, like actual legitimate political power. I think she's on Lex Luthor's cabinet when he becomes president, um, which is the thing that happens in the comics. I think she's like on his cabinet. So she becomes a, and becomes like the 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 black queen in Checkmate, the organization Checkmate. Like she's a big mover and shaker in the like the 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 black ops shadow government world of the DC comics and is one of the more terrifying characters there. But this character, this, this performance gives me like none of that menace, none of that, like none of the strength of Amanda Waller from the comics. She's just, again, it's sort of like a, Hey, here's a name you might recognize kind of a thing, Um, which is a a very MCU kind of a thing. Like, Hey, here's a name you might recognize. Are we going to flesh it out later? Probably not. But you know, you fanboys are having a good time. And, uh, yeah, probably not in this movie, but you just wait. Right. Definitely not in this movie, but maybe later. Uh, maybe if you're if you're good, if you're good, you can have Amanda Waller as a treat. Now, I will say Viola Davis's performance of Amanda Waller is sublime. She's so good. So good. Sure. I She's guess there's not not really anything there for her to do. I mean, um, She's she's she has more to do in the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie and in Peacemaker. They're giving her her own series, which should be coming out within the next few years. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think we'll get to see a lot more of Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. And I think that will be a good thing. That will be a yeah, net I'm good for that. humanity. Yeah, I'm into I'm that, that, yeah. You know, another line that felt very similar to this topic Um when Hal proclaims very blatantly that, you know, magic isn't real, mm-hmm. but, but aliens are real. Right. And I was like, that's, that's one of those references that they're going to come back to later. Had this been a franchise? Had it been? Yeah, absolutely. Like he would have come across Zatanna or, um, fucking. Your boy, Constantine. Constantine or God, what's the name of the Dr. Fate. Or something, yeah. We would have come across one of the many DC magic users, but yeah, that didn't happen. God, it physically hurts me to pronounce that name that way. It just doesn't feel right. It's that's the way. That's the way every every writer of the Hellblazer comic would pronounce it. I mean, it's I the know way the guy right. that made the character pronounces it. I'm just yeah, saying. Look, I know it's the correct way, but it doesn't like it feels. It doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel like the correct English pronunciation. But you know. I'm not British. What the fuck do I know? It's like uh, Augustine and Augustine, like just different ways of pronouncing that, that philosopher's name or advertisement and advertisement program or program. A TV program talking about watching TV programs. Uh, We are, we are indeed on the TV on the TV. Um, yeah, but so so yeah, this movie had a lot of problems behind the scenes, and then to top it all off, people close to the movie were like, "the the script the movie that you see is not the movie that Martin Campbell set out to make. It's not the script that Greg Berlanti wrote. 
the studio metal that got involved. And and honestly, nine times out of ten, when a movie fucks up like this and fucks up as badly as this one does, studio interference is to blame. Like Tucker mentioned the flash earlier. And this has like that has very much a lot of studio metaled energy to it. Like just and you hear a lot of the stories of what was going on behind the scenes and what the star of that movie was getting up to. Like, yeah, it's kind of a fucking mess. So like and this movie has that kind of energy to it. Not a lot has been said about the specifics of what was going on behind the scenes, but it feels very obvious that the studio kind of tried to make this into their version of an Iron Man sort of MC or DCEU kickoff thing. And it, it just didn't work. Which would be the benchmark for DCEU going forward. Constantly trying to ride the Marvel's coattails and failing because they don't understand what, why MCU is working. Well, I would say that for any, with the exception of the conjuring universe, which did its own thing. And I think that's why it was successful as a, financially successful whether or not you think it's narratively successful tucker um those movies have made a lot of none is good and i'm very upset they're making a none too because i doubt it's going to be as good as the first one i guarantee you it will not the rest the rest of it is very i love i love i love patrick wilson and i would do anything for him but i would not do that i mean i've i've seen Every movie in that franchise, I would say I like the new one, though. I feel like I need to see it because that's my boy and I want to support him. I understand. He directed the most recent in the most recent Insidious, didn't he? I don't know, man. I'd watch that. Maybe I'm confused. Insidious, the red door. Yes. I just love Um, Patrick Wilson, man. I haven't seen any of those movies. I should watch those. I I watched the first two for the first time last year. And uh, you know what? They're good. I, I cannot vouch I for saw, three and four, but the first two are very good. There's been first thing four I ever saw there was him. only three. Jesus Christ, I'm really behind. Yeah, no, there's four. And I then there's Red actually was the third one. Red Door is the fifth one. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Are they all called Insidious? Insidious, yeah. It's Insidious one, two, three, and then the fourth one's like, Something about a key, some kind of fucking key, and then the fifth one's the red door. So you got keys and doors. It is, it is insidious that he directed. I was wrong. Moving on. Okay. Okay. But I mean, but I think what makes everyone else in Hollywood tries to copy the Marvel model, and the only reason I think the Insidious franchise ends up being successful is that they do it very differently than Marvel does. Everyone else is trying to jump on what Marvel was doing and none of them are able to do it successfully. And we've seen a number of those examples pop up over the course of this podcast. Uh, I think the most egregious one is our hundredth episode, the mummy. Like that's, that's gotta be one of the most obvious and most egregious. Like they roll out an entire cinematic universe before the first movies even come out. Like the balls, the fucking audacity of that. Um, whereas Marvel was very calculated and, and I think the reason people are so, were so slow to jump on was because it was unproven. It was something no one had tried before. And so there was a lot of risk, but because they were able to pull it off, the reward was so high. And then everyone else tries to capitalize on the reward and they end up falling short. And that's, I've said that before. That's nothing new. That's kind of the nature of the beast, but that's the Hollywood trend. We're going to chase whatever's popular and try to make it work for us. 
Sometimes it's successful. Other times it's not. I'd say most times it's not. I think the problem with most of the time when big studios try to make their own big universes is that that's their sole reason for doing what they're doing. They're not like with with the MCU, like Marvel was just like, hey, this is what we'd like to do. But let's just fucking make some good movies first and see what happens. You know, but everybody wants to just jump past that part and just have their have their cake and just straight up gorge themselves on that motherfucker. I would say the shift in quality in Marvel films has been as a result of the the focus changing from let's tell good stories to let's perpetuate this money making machine. And I think that's why we've seen some dip in quality over the last phase and a half. I agree. In my opinion. No, I mean, look, I'll as as an MCU fanboy, I will gladly say there's been a dip in quality. Not as big of one as maybe you or a lot of people are talking about, but there has been. Because Secret Invasion was bad. Um, awful. Very awful. Yeah. I, I was very disappointed. It. I'm very disappointed in it. Like It, Same. Was, it, just, it was really bad. Um, but like, I've, I liked uh, Miss Marvel. I really liked Moon Knight. I thought Moon Knight was great. Um, oh, fuck yeah. Moon I Knight thought Moon Knight was amazing. okay. I wasn't like, oh, night like a lot of people well, were well, but that's fine go home steven you're wrong and that doesn't dude. surprise me like you're you know okay. i'm me i know yes you're you're you and you don't like the mcu anymore um so i get it yeah but, but oscar isaac moon knight that's such a I good like show oscar isaac. i like oscar isaac i like ethan hawk in that motherfucker that first scene where he's just like hanging out and he's like casually putting glass in his shoes damn man you guys that show was so good sorry it was it's it was just really, really good. good it was all right um, Man, fuck you, Steven. <laughs> no, Steven, it's okay. We love you. You can have your own opinion, and it's valid and shit, but we just disagree. Yeah, and look, like, that's fine. No big deal. No big look, whoop. Like, Quantumania was fun, but not great. I, I liked Quantumania. I didn't like I mean, it at all. I liked it. I thought it was fun, but it I don't know. It felt off. Um, and then what is, what is another one? Oh, um, it, Wakanda Forever. I didn't really care for. Um, Still haven't seen it. It was like it was too long. It was it, too much. It was too much. Yeah. Everything was too much. Like it, it was like it, the scale was so large. And yeah. I mean, unless you, I mean, I would have probably liked that better as a two-parter, honestly, it was yeah. just so much and everything was just so huge and epic and everything had the stakes were just insane like that that should have been a two-parter i think it would have been better i don't think it was bad no uh, i don't think it was but bad it definitely could just, have been better yeah it was just it was very bloated and too long and definitely could have been two-parter i think it could have been um but you know but then hey you got multiverse of madness which was fucking phenomenal that was yeah, fun. I loved that one. Just fun, Stephen. Come on. That was fun. Yeah, it was just fun. fun. Just fun. Just it was. Was it not fun? Do you disagree with me that it was fun? No, it was really fun, but it was phenomenal. Okay. You know, what? I gave that I, movie I think... five stars. I, I did not. Mean. Yeah. See, you know what? I don't understand me. about your your uh, your gripes, which are valid, Stephen. But your gripes that you have about the MCU, what I don't understand about them is that you're a comic book fan. You've been reading comic books, I'm assuming, like your whole life, pretty much. I have, yeah. And and I'm, I have also been doing that. And from my perspective, 
when there's a bad Marvel movie or a bad Marvel show or one that just is not really up my alley, that's just comic books, baby. Like, it, there's ups and there's downs. Sometimes you got a really good arc, and sometimes you got a shitty writer on that motherfucker or an artist that doesn't know, like, like draws some really ugly art that you hate. Like, that's just comic books. Talking to you, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> I wasn't going to say his name, but I thought it real hard. He's a um, sweet man, and we love him. Your boy can't draw feet, all right? This is- <laughs> I know. No. Man pecks out to here. Um, the, look, I... And and I and look, I absolutely get that. Like as someone who is an avid fan, like Grant Morrison's run on Justice League is what got me into comics as a as a oh, young yeah. adult. Like I loved that arc. I loved that run. What they did on that title is unparalleled. It's so fucking good. Um, and it remains my favorite era of the Justice League to this day. Um, Agreed. Reignited my love of Plastic Man as a character. <laughs> I owe it so much. So I understand like that, that idea, but like these movies now have become so popular that they're ubiquitous and they've become so ubiquitous that they're unwieldy. And because there's so much and because it's so unwieldy, the quality is shifting wildly as one person tries to oversee like multiple projects and you start to see it's the it's the twin it's the twin peaks the return double r franchise problem Mm -hmm. you get that scene in the return where they're trying to get her to sell to to franchise out the double r and she says i i would love to do that i would love the money it would mean a lot but i get to control the quality here and I know that I use the ingredients I use because I believe in them. And I use the recipes that I use because they're proven. And I put it together and I sell it and I make it with love. And the people who eat it experience that and they feel that. And when it gets franchised out, it becomes a it becomes a product. It becomes a commodity. It stops being what I want it to be. It stops being art and it becomes a commodity. Basically, it's David Lynch's statement on art and franchising that's pure distilled david lynch metaphor right and i mean and it's is it a little ham-fisted sure but it absolutely works and he's basically saying what uncle marty's been saying this whole time like they're both saying the exact same thing at this point it's not about the stories anymore it's about the perpetuation of the brand and that the whole thing seems like guardians 3 was the most refresh it was the best marvel movie i've seen since endgame because it actually felt focused it felt part of a whole like the guardians trilogy is the best three set of movies in the mcu and i will accept no criticism of that or discussion at this time like that's that's the fact because it's it is across three films there's one creator telling one story and is able to control the specifics of that story within the framework of the larger narrative. And because of that, it feels a a lot more cohesive and it feels like its own individual thing, as opposed to being a part of the commodity that is Marvel at this point. Well, you know, that's actually uh, um, what I kind of liked about quantum mania because it was able to kind of do both. 
because Quantumania was very much its own little MCU bottle episode, but the implications of it, like what it sets up, is going to affect the entire MCU. Right. But it's still its its own. That's what I liked about Quantumania is because it didn't feel like, you know, an MCU movie that was just like, remember that thing and that thing? Well, now we're doing this thing and then that thing's going to lead to that and that thing's going to lead to that. It kind of felt like its own little little bottle episode, you know? It's a really good even point. Though, even though it's it's setting off like the the big bad for the entire like next two phases but as like a as like a third part of a trilogy like it completely falls falls apart like i think that's it, i think that's the second film's fault really because i liked the first film quite a bit too. Uh, but it kind of felt like the, its own thing as well but then the second one was just kind of felt like a bridge between uh you know the end of phase two you know like between um uh no not no way home uh far from home and end game and all there was it, it basically is remember? a bridge between infinity war and end game yes Which and that's I what it felt like i don't know if you can really consider mcu movies like as as trilogies anymore like like Gal- uh, guardians guardians is a trilogy because it's like and it's the only one that ever will be it's I would straight, say it's Iron like, Man would count as a trilogy because even yeah. though it dealt with, you know, the things that went on, the Avengers and how Tony got all PTSD and Iron Man 3 and shit, there's still very much a trilogy of Iron Man movies. Right. Shit like Thor and stuff like that. There may be three movies, but that's not a trilogy. That's just three Thor no. movies in three different phases. Yeah, because the rest of them are all there. There's a movie and then other now other stuff happens and then right. movie. so like it can't be a, a strong through line because other shit is going on in between those movies so right. like they can't really be trilogies and now, i think that is the what you're saying about guardians of galaxy that is why that stands out because since guardians takes place so far away from everything else it doesn't have to be affected by all of that to the extent that all the other properties do that kind of take place in this it's kind of like Captain Marvel. You can just call her in whenever you want her, really. She doesn't right. have to be around all the time. You just call her in. She's doing something else over here. It's the same with the Guardians. They've kind of got their own little thing. They pop in. Sure. But I mean, times. but Guardians feels intentionally like it's like like a very separate thing. And I feel like a lot of that is James Gunn's insistence that it be its own separate thing, apart from all the rest of it. And I think because of that, he's able to actually tell a really great story across three films that no other filmmaker is afforded the opportunity to do in the MCU. Well, yeah, didn't they not tell him that they were going to kill Gamora in Endgame, or something Endgame. like Infinity that? War. I or like he had to incorporate it into his plan because that was not something that he had known about. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I would also argue that the three Spider-Man films work well as a trilogy too, even though they do deal with a lot of fallout from other MCU movies. They're still very, very much their own thing. Well, and Sony's insistence that they have a bigger name to kind of support Spider-Man in each of those movies is kind of um, tiring, tiresome, I think. But I, I forget. I've, there was a recent interview where they, they the maybe the one of the producers or something like that, or writers did confirm that like, yes, this is supposed to be like a consistent trilogy. That is his origin story. 
So, so yeah. And, and again, like I think it, it, it works as one. I just think Guardians works better as one. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I just don't like, think it's I didn't the say only there... one that kind of. I I I will say it's the it's the one that works best because it's the one that's not as preoccupied with the rest of the bullshit. Yeah, sure. Like every everything else fits as a part of the larger default, narrative they're though, wanting to tell. Very right. lucky for, and it's good that they got James Gunn on that because, like I said last week, he is going to do some interesting shit with it. You give him his own sandbox, he's going to do fun stuff. Right. And I'm excited to see what he does with DC. I think DC is going to be a lot of I'm I'm actually excited for DC properties, a thing I never thought I'd say. I don't know. I just I just don't I don't want to get my hopes up. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't like because Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers fucking sucks. I agree. Like even with James Gunn in charge, there's still always the possibility that Warner Brothers is going to come in there and wave their big dick around and fuck I up a hope. movie again. I have hope. And I don't I don't like that it's messy. Like it's not I was hoping that the Flash was gonna be like legit flashpoint and they were gonna it was supposed start to over. be this completely why, start over. That's why we had Bruce Wayne's car- parents cast with with such, you know, with name actors is because Flashpoint was supposed to be Flash or Flash was supposed to be Flashpoint. That's why I'm saying yeah. I want everything they filmed for it because at one point that's what they were filming because you know like seven years ago yeah because yeah. like now it's like is wonder is there going to be a wonder woman 3 it may if there is it may no, or may not there's be not. okay well, they just probably. announced that recently okay, okay she'll probably show up in blue beetle for like 30 seconds yeah which is like, by the way why we're talking about green lantern this week i guess we're not really talking about green about lantern anymore raise your hand if you care about blue beetle at all I'm sure someone out there is well, raising their maybe, hands. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe that's what they're doing. Because this is supposed to be James Gunn's first DC movie, right? This is the first character. He's he's made a very clear distinction. The first movie is Superman Legacy, but this is the first character that will appear in his DCU. So in a lot of ways, this is the movie kicking off this phase of DC's newest franchise, just like this movie was supposed to do for them. That's why we're talking about it. So I, that's why Yo. it feels again like very Iron Man. Like this is like a yeah E tier character nobody's really heard of. And mark my mark my words though, I'm this is a thing I'm good at. I can see a trailer, and I can't always tell you if it's going to do really well or kind of well, but I can tell you if it's going to bomb. And Blue Beetle isn't going to do any business. You guys. I'm not. Nobody's going to go see that fucker. Nobody. That would not. That. This is John Carter me. all over again. I saw that trailer oh. and I was like, yeah, who is this for? Nobody's going to see this motherfucker. John, as soon as oh, I fe- saw that first future trailer. episode of this podcast, John Carter. I can't wait to see it because I'll bet it's real good. It's okay. I saw that trailer and I was like, who gives a fuck? Like, who is going to give a fuck I mean, about it, this? That's when I saw the Blue Beetle trailer and I was like, who fucking cares? It's Pixar's Andrew Nobody's Stanton is it. John Carter. So that should be interesting if nothing else. But yeah. Nobody's going to watch it, you guys. Because I, no, I think like there, there's we'll already enough superhero burnout and like there's already enough ill will directed at DC movies that, yeah, I, I think people are done with DC. Like they're done giving them a chance. I don't think anybody's going to care about any DC movies going forward unless it's the Batman. Well, I think, well, yeah, the Batman sequel, but I think once James Gunn starts his universe proper with the Superman movie, I think people will see that because people are excited to have James Gunn on board and everything. But right. I think this Blue Beetle shit, this may be the first character in his universe, but he didn't have shit to do with it. 
can have a motherfucking thing to do with it. And it 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 makes me wonder, like, to what extent he's saying that just as a way of getting people interested in this thing. Well, he said The Flash was the best superhero movie he ever saw in his life, and I had a lot of fun with that movie, but it certainly was not the best superhero movie I ever saw in my life. Yeah, I don't know if I I, I don't think he said that, but like he was very oh. effusive about it, it to a to a degree yeah, that made man. me go, wait, really though? Well, like man, mark my words. Nobody's going to give two shits about that new Superman movie. I mean, okay. I want to see it. Call I'm it. Excited I'm about calling it. it. Calling it right okay. here. Nobody's gonna care. We're gonna this. We're gonna we're gonna pull up these receipts afterwards. Please do. That's fine. I'll admit Please if I'm wrong. wrong. I will gladly admit if I'm wrong. I, but I I'm don't just think so. glad that the movie that I made a prediction about comes out relatively soon because I can gloat about it next week, possibly. <laughs> but the potential is there for gloating, which is really all Tucker's in this for. I say Blue Beetle does thirty million tops. Or whenever it comes out next weekend, 30 million tops. That's with preview screenings. That's my prediction. All right. There you go. We'll, we'll make sure to check the numbers uh, next week when we record our, uh, what are we watching episode? And I don't know, you guys speaking of the numbers, question mark. Yeah. Cause like there's probably green lantern video games, but I don't care. Let's move on. No, there, hey, are, but they suck. there definitely are. Um, yeah, there definitely anyway, are. Just- One's based on I'm, this movie. Probably suck. There's uh, probably plenty of is, DC video games that have Green Lantern in them, but the, I'm not... Look, I don't want to do that. If I can just... Can I just put my foot in your corner real quick and say there were... There was a tie-in game that released for the modern consoles at the time, and most of the voice ma- most most of the voice cast returns, including Ryan Reynolds, and it sucks. That's it. That's all you need to know. Okay. Cool. Uh, this movie comes out on June seventeenth, two thousand eleven. It opens at number one at the box office, grossing fifty three million dollars in its opening weekend, on its way to a hundred and sixteen. So it makes just just under half of its domestic box office in its opening weekend. That's not, not a, a terrible opening weekend. It's not. But it doesn't uh, multiply, and that's when, the yeah, problem. When you drop that far in the second week, like fifty million, well, don't mean shit on a two hundred well, million dollar budget. Like second weekend, he's down to three, and it's <laughs> earned another eighteen. The week after that, it's down to seven, <laughs> and so, then that's a little better. <laughs> Ten in weekend four. Hey, it's improving. And then wow. 13 in week five. Like, it just keeps plummeting like a stone. So, yeah. It opens at number one in second place in its second weekend. Um, the only non-franchise movie by from director J.J. Abrams, a little movie called Super 8. Hey, I thought that movie was all right when it came out. I haven't seen it since then, but I had a good time. It was okay. It was all right. It was fun. Uh, in third place, Mr. Poppers, he's got some penguins and uh, they're dropping into theaters this week. That opens in third uh, X-Men what first class. What if Jim Carrey had penguins? Uh, in fourth place, X-Men first class, a movie I saw in theaters in its third week in it, three weeks. It's earned one hundred and twenty million dollars. Um, and yep. speaking of Bradley Cooper, who is the director's choice for this movie, uh, Hangover Part Two is in fifth place. Oh. That's been in theaters for four weeks and has earned over two hundred and thirty million dollars. Oh, most overrated comedy franchise of all time. 
I think the first one is very funny. Uh, and then the, agree. the the second one is very bad. And the third one is only slightly better, but not much. Uh, well, even if you ever want to watch the third one again, it's on my Voodoo. It's in my Voodoo under the Chuffa list. Okay. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, rounding that out the top 10. Good. I know. Rounding out the top 10, we've got Kung Fu Panda 2, Bridesmaids, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Midnight in Paris, and future episode of this podcast, Judy Moody and the Not Bummer Summer. You said the name so fast that it sounded like the subtitle of Kung Fu Panda 2 was Bridesmaids. <laughs> this Kung time, Fu Panda 2, Bridesmaids. Master Khufu's getting married and... Who's his maid of honor? Some record scratch. Oh, uh, so this movie makes 116.6 million domestic, another 102.9 million international for a grand total of $219.5 million uh, off of a budget of 200 million. It barely recoups its production budget on its worldwide. That's bad. And hey, that's a little over 10 years ago. Like $200 million was a lot of money back then. Yeah. That's a lot of money now, but like in 2010, that's that's ludicrous. That's an insane risk that Warner Brothers, they just flushed this movie down the fucking toilet. They really did. Wasted money. Yeah, and I mean, they recoup their production budget, so you can't say it's bad, technically. Uh, Marketing, though. I was going to say marketing does not factor into that at all, and they marketed the shit out of this movie. This movie was was everywhere. Everywhere, Everywhere but in the eye sockets of of the American public, really. Touche. The Tomatometer score for this one is a 26%. Uh, critics consensus noisy overproduced and thinly written green lantern squanders an impressive budget and decades of comics mythology hard agree uh generally unfavorable reviews from 39 critics give it a uh, meta score of 39 and uh the letterbox score is a 1.5 gentlemen out of five stars how are we rating 2011's green lantern brett I'm not a Green Lantern. What? Um, Are you sure? You got to stop talking so fast. Um, Sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> it's all right. One one star from Brett Tucker. How about you? Uh, from what I saw, uh, I'd give it about a two star because it was just pretty aggressively mediocre, if I'm being honest. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It yeah. was just, it was fine. Whatevs. That's that's where I land on it as well. It's a two star for me. Like it's it, it's bad. It's actively bad. I mean, it's they're shrug of a movie. They're <laughs> trying. They're trying stuff, but none of the stuff they're trying is good. Like I like some of the performances. Sarsgaard's having a good time. Mark Strong is better than this movie deserves. Um, like we've got there's there is some good stuff. It's just buried under a ton of bad CGI and incomprehensible dialogue and plotting. I think the dialogue was the worst part of this film. It's really bad. Sorry, Brett. Go ahead. Is that Blake Lively's attractive? Yeah, she's 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 fun to look Uh, at. Yeah, she's got those cute stoner eyes, man. Girls that have like perpetual stoner eyes are so cute, dude. (laughs) He's got a type. (laughs) He's got a type. Straight up, maybe. 
But uh, but yeah, that's look. We talked about Green Lantern some kind of a little bit for we for had some, we had some interesting conversations during an episode about Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Look, we, it, we talked we about Green Lantern for at least we, an hour. We, did, we clearly yeah. did not want to talk about this movie, but we did. And there we talked look, about and this movie more are, than we usually do. Our tangents were movies. were good and they they started out relevant. They did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I think we're being—I yeah. think we're being too hard on this episode. This—we talked about the movie way more than we usually do on shitty movie episodes. So that's true. Yeah, we we weren't actively um, ignoring most of it. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. Look, this is a good podcast, and you should let us know how good the podcast is to you. Swing on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a nice, juicy five star rating and review, just to let us and everyone else know. Uh, how much you like the podcast uh, and that'll help us find other people like you. And we like you, we'd probably like other people like you too. So, you know, let them know. Um, you can also shoot us an email. If there's a, a movie that you want to see us talk about, uh, shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know what that is. And we will try our ever loving best to get it on the schedule. Uh, you can find us on all of the social media. Well, not all, but most of the social media. We're on uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, X, I guess is what we're calling Twitter now. Um, threads. And is there another one? We're on Letterboxd at DisenfranchPod. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Fox. Where you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Blue Sky, and Threads. It's all I, one word. How's it not blueski? I don't know, man. Have you heard anybody say it, or are we just assuming it's blueski? Because it's one word, so it's blueski, right? The but the the avatar for the app is a, a sky with clouds in it. Fuck a duck. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you like that. It's just I I've never seen it written out before, but this week. I saw it written out, and it's one word, and the the S isn't even capitalized. No. If like if it were all one word and the S were capitalized, blue sky, sure, but blue ski. I don't know, man. I just had to say that. And also, you're on what threads? You said that's crazy. Anyway, I'm at Chewy Walrus on all those platforms because I couldn't even get my fucking handle out before Tucker had to just <laughs> butt in and interrupt. I had to. It was you important. Didn't. You didn't. You. It if was it not important. important. <gasps> Steven, how dare you? If it weren't it important, not. I would not have. I would have waited until you put your handle out there. But I know that not only was it important, but also it's in the description of this podcast. So, ah, it's blue ski, man. Anyway. Hey, Brett, where can we find you on social media? Should we be so inclined to do so? <laughs> not on blue sky, um, but I am on... <laughs> Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. You're on threads too now, aren't you? Uh, kinda. I never open it. Technically you are. I you made guess. You, you made posts on that platform. I fucking guess. Because I was sick and I had nothing better to do. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, still counts. In the immortal words of Akon, still counts. I fucking guess. Hey, Tucker, what about you? Uh, well, I think I'm going to make a Blueski account. 
now. Well, you have to and, you have to you have to be invited. Someone has to invite you, and I don't have any invite codes to send anybody yet. Well, Stephen, when you get an invite code and you send me one, I'm gonna create my own Blueski page or whatever the kids call it these days, and it's gonna be all about how it's motherfucking pronounced Blueski. That's gonna be the whole theme of that social media account. Every post will have something to do with like how that is correct and blue sky is wrong. So let me know when you get that invite. Uh, but until then, yeah, you can find me get right on that. <laughs> until then, you can find me on YouTube uh, at ice nine oh nine. That's I C E N I N E. The number zero and the number nine. Um, I'm also on the Insta scam uh, at tuck underscore mugs uh that's for my tucks mugs page uh i sent the crew on vacation last week so we haven't had a post uh the crew that works on tuck mugs i sent them on vacation so uh until they get back next week uh i'll I'll get them hard to work on some stuff and i'll have stuff on there but we're taking a little break from that crack that other than that yeah 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 well right on they get tired I gotta send them. Oh, they're very tired. I, I have it on good authority. Um, but yeah, that is our episode on 2011's Green Lantern. God, what a thing. What a thing. It happened and we all let it happen. Um, so yeah, uh, I this has been the Disenfranchised Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy, for my co-host, Brett Wright and Tucker. Until next time, no evil shall escape my sight. Because Except I said so. Except for this movie. I mean, I don't know if it was evil. It was sort of just kind of benign, just kind of a, like a just like a benign like lump of a movie. Sure. I wasn't super offended by it, but I wasn't entertained. Aggressive, like I said, aggressively mediocre, man. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.